Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Believe in Celtics. I'm your host, Warren Shaw, alongside my great co-host and partner, Gary Washburn. And we're your host and resource for everything Celtics this season and all seasons. Gary, good to see you as always, my guy. How are you doing? Everything's good. Everything's good. Interesting yeah. part of the year, you know. Uh, All-star coming up, so those dog days uh, for teams. Uh, a lot's going on, and it will be like that for the rest of the year, so it's always a good time. Yeah, yeah. I want to actually touch on that a little bit too because I I'm getting a sense, maybe a little bit from from the Celtics that they they are eyeing the All Star break. You know, sorry, people trying to make their vacation plans for those who will not be going um, to Indiana this year for All Star. And it's like you said, it's kind of like all right, these players are a little tired here. You're 40 plus games in. I'm looking for a little bit of respite here. Um, they've had some some slow starts and been able to kind of uh. uh eke out some wins here and there, but I think it's been a little bit interesting. So I'd love to get your take on that, but we'll talk to touch on that in a little bit. Um, as always got to do a plug. So make sure you give our show a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Um, and you're catching us on, make sure you follow Gary at G Washburn globe um, on, on X and make sure you're following his, his writings over at the Boston globe as well. You can follow me at Shaw sports NBA on X and make sure you follow and believe, I believe network or believe sports. So today's show, We'll touch a little bit about the trade deadline, which is, as we're recording here, a little bit over a, a week away. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about All-Star coming up, you know, in the second part of the show, and then we'll kind of close out from there. So, Gary, I'm going to jump right into the conversation here. Boston Celtics here, like we said, roughly a week away from the trade deadline. Uh, it's on paper. There's not a lot wrong with this roster. A lot, you know, I think there's a lot of positives to it. Uh, when you're starting to look and then, you know, and I had to dig, you know, just like to really kind of tear some things apart um, outside of the one thing which we all know is still an issue, uh, but they're 29th in turnovers, 29th in steals in terms of turnovers against, right? So they don't force a lot of turnovers um, and they don't get a lot of steals, but they are one of the leaders in blocks. They are one of the better teams overall in rebounding, uh, but they also give up a lot of offensive rebounds to other teams as well too. So hence second chance points. Um, and then there's the aforementioned, as we've talked about throughout the course of the season, bench scoring has been an issue and continues to be a, to be an issue. If the Celtics were to make a move, how would they go about addressing it? Because some of those things you might look at as like, ah, oh, well, they're 29th and in, enforcing in, in turnovers. Who cares? Right. Um, they're, but they're 27th in bench scoring. I think a lot of people care about that more, but what are some things that you're looking for Boston to potentially try to address at the trade deadline? When you hear those, some stats, when you hear those stats or compared to anything else that you're following the team with, with your own coverage. Well, I think that they're, they, I don't think they're going to be perfect, obviously. They're not going to be first in turnovers allowed and first in steals. They're not going to make that much of a turnaround. I just think they have to emphasize playing strong defense and figuring out how to, to stop teams without causing a lot of turnovers and getting a lot of steals. Um, you know, and I just think you're not going to make one move and that happen. Right. So, I think what they have to do is, is if, if they want to do anything is attempt to boost the bench and add another kind of quality player to the, to the mix. Now, as Brad Stevens has said over the years, like is that player going to be okay with not playing a whole lot at times? Is that player going to sulk when they don't get the minutes they want? Um, that's the whole thing about adding, let's say someone to trade deadline 
when you have a very deep team, you're six or seven deep. You have roles that have already established. So now you're looking at, okay, a swing man. Okay, let's say they're not thrilled with O'Shea Brissett. Like O'Shea's an inconsistent shooter. You know, you want to, you want to, um, a sniper out there. You want somebody who can knock down threes. Do you bring in a Sadiq Bay from the Atlanta Hawks if he's available? You know, do you bring in because it's going to be someone who doesn't make a whole lot of money? Okay, if you're looking and and we've talked about this, Warren, like the buyout market with the second apron that the Celtics are under, they can't bring in Gordon Hayward. Okay, let's like like they can't bring in guys who make over the mid mid level exception, which is twelve point four million. So if they bring if someone gets bought out over 12.4 Celtic fans, Celtic folks, do not consider him a, a target for the buyout. They cannot do that. It has to be someone making under 12.4 million or under the mid-level exception. And most good players in the NBA make over the mid-level exception. Garrett, so, let me let me pause you. Let me pause you right there so so we can make sure that we explain it for them. So so most people are gonna say, well. Gordon Hayward or even like a Kyle Lowry, we're like they get bought out, right? So when a buyout happens, that team is paying some semblance of the remaining salary, and then the rest of it, the, that player is now forfeiting per se, right? So mo- I want to say most times, but a lot of times, those buyout guys then come at potentially what would be a minimum salary. So what would preclude the Celtics from being able to do that if, say, Gordon Hayward was bought out? Why couldn't they still get him potentially at a minimum salary? Because it all it's all based on what they earned before they were bought out. Mm-hmm. What 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 happened is the league decided they were going to stop. Tried it was kind of the Warriors' role. They were going to stop teams, the the powers that be, the the rich from getting richer. They were going to stop um, guys for asking for buyouts, um, so they could join the most expensive team, the teams that spend the most money in these buyout situations, even though it's the minimum. So it's not that the Celtics would have to pay Gordon. The remaining thirty million on his deal. It's right. that he made thirty million, so he's not eligible to be to be signed by the Celtics. They have to shoot for someone who makes under the twelve point four million dollar mid level exception, which is a very limited group. The league now is has and has nots in terms of the pay scale. So there'll be some pretty decent players who make under that, but they'll most likely be younger or guys you might not want. So it makes it difficult. Kyle Lowry is making $29 million this year. He is not going to be a Celtic. Danilo Gallinari now, let's say he asks out of Detroit, um, that's someone the Celtics could look at if they want to bring him back and they feel like he could do contribute something or he's a guy that says, hey, if I don't play a lot, that's fine. I just want to be part of a championship team. I've never won a title before. I want to make a run, kind of like the Blake Griffin role of last year. So their options are limited because they're in the, you know, when you get Drew Holiday and you bring on, you know, and he makes 36 million, Christoph Porzingis makes 36 million, uh, Jason Taylor making 30 plus million, Jalen Brown just signed $300 million deal, Al Horford is, is still on the payroll, Derek White's making 18. You're going to have to cut somewhere. And it's at the end of the, the bench. So you don't have the depth. Or in the Celtics case, they haven't cultivated a lot of first-round picks. We saw one of their first-round picks the other night, Aaron Neesmith, and boy, could they use him now. Right. Um, but they used – essentially, they used him to get Drew Holiday if you indirectly, right, uh, by whether they call that a transitive property or whatever. 
using him to get Brogdon and then using Brogdon to get Holiday. So if you're looking for a trade target, I would think a guy like Sadiq Bay. It all depends on what Atlanta is going to do. Warren, no one around the league knows what the hell Atlanta is going to do. They're 20 and 27. They're a play-in candidate. Are they going to run it, continue with their same roster, you know, losing the losing the playing game and keep it moving? Are they going to make some serious moves? Trade DeJounte Murray, start clearing some stuff out and start fresh around Trey. All I know is they're probably not <laughs> Trey's not going anywhere because he sells too many tickets. So um, if you're the Celtics, don't you know you got to look at guys who don't make a whole, whole lot of money and guys who might be bought out or traded with that six that Grant Williams exception, the 6.2, that will say, hey, we'll take a first round, a future first rounder or multiple second rounders off your hands and we'll give you this guy. So there's gonna be a lot of calls made. I don't think Brad Stevens is gonna stand pat and be like, okay, we're good. I think if it ends up that that's what happens. I think he'll be okay because maybe the price is too high. But that, you know, wing, swing man kind of position is still kind of open because as much as I like O'Shea, he's not a consistent shooter. He's not offensively what you might want out of a guy coming off your bench. Gary, so, you know, definitely wanted to clear that up for our, our listeners and fans. So thank you so much for, you know, being being so intelligent and, and bringing that poignant poignantness to that to that conversation. So, yeah, there, we this is not like, you know what I mean? You're, you're shopping on Rodeo Drive here. You're going to have to really, really temper some expectations here. So you've mentioned Atlanta before and, and Sadiq Bay. We've talked about that. Toronto seems to more or less be done with doing what they're going to be doing, you know, for, for the foreseeable future, at least for right now. Are there other teams out there that you're looking at as potential sellers? Because everybody now, I I feel like thinks, hey, this this thing really is wide open. And when it comes to the negotiations, Boston is not going to be in a position of power because a lot of people are obviously trying to beat them and don't want their rich in essence to get richer. So I think from the Danny Ainge days, people are going to always try, even though Danny's not there anymore. It's like, listen, you guys always win or try to like just kill people in trades. Those days are those are over, and we've seen Brad has been forget a first round pick. He's, he's sending those things out, you know, you know, as soon as, as soon as they come in, which teams do you think are potential or could be other potential partners for, for Boston? Um, as you look at, as you canvas the league and try to think about players that can fit under that scale. And then I guess the second question is who could potentially be on the way out from, from the Boston side. Yeah. On the way out, the only player I would think would be Peyton Pritchard. And I'm not saying they're right. trying to trade him, but his salary, right, right. Matches, salary right? matches. It's right. it's a salary thing. It's got nothing to do it's a, it's a trade-friendly deal, okay? The teams that might be looking to blow things up is what we've said. We've talked about Toronto. Look at the bottom of the East. Toronto, Charlotte, Washington, Washington. Detroit, even Brooklyn. Brooklyn's got a decision to make, too. Chicago, uh, there's been talk about them blowing it up for, for obviously years now. They have crept up to ninth, so they're in the playing t- conversation. So management – just like in Atlanta, has to determine whether making the play-in is okay or do you just want to blow it up and start fresh, start start new with some new players and get Levine and Vucevic and maybe even DeMar DeRozan out of there. In the West, West is a little bit trickier because um, you've already – Portland's probably not going to – you're not probably going to do another deal with Portland. San Antonio's got a bunch of young guys – 
I don't I don't know if they're sellers or they're just going to wait this thing out and get another lottery pick. Right. And the rest of the teams in the West, Houston's still trying to get better. Houston wants to make the playoffs. Golden State wants to make the playoffs. So the question is, you know, yeah. even they're Utah, not going to be right? sellers. The what Lakers about going to be sellers? Utah. What about Memphis? Memphis is interesting because they they got so many injured guys. So who do you want on the who who like you know Zaire Williams? Um, like who on the Grizzlies makes sense? That's what you have to look at at this point because they're just they're honestly so banged up. Um, that's a that's a, that's it, it sounds like they should be trying to blow things up. Um, but to me, when they, when you have so many injuries, who, who, who are you going to, who are you going to get? Let me look at the, the Memphis salary structure. Brandon Clark is hurt and signed for another three years. Zaire Williams is assigned for another two years. And then, you know, guys, Derek Rose, you know, David Roddy, who I don't think they'll trade because he's cheap and he's actually playing well. Vince right. Williams, they signed to an extension. The kid out of VCU who's been kind of a wonder con- Like, there's nobody I'm looking at the Memphis roster, Warren, and I'm saying, man, that guy would, would look good as a Celtic. You know, unless the Celtics want to take on a multiple, multi-year deal. Do you, Zaire Williams, is that something that appeals to you? Eh, probably yeah. not. So Memphis probably would not be sellers because they just don't have – the, the attractive players, if you look at all these guys to sell, all their players are locked in. Luke Kennard would be a guy, but he makes 14 million. Okay. You might, if you're the Celtics, you're not going to make some deal for Luke Kennard at 14 million and trade Peyton Pritchard or two players for him and draft. Like, no. Like, that, that's the probably the, the guy who it might make sense, but you already have Sam Hauser. You already have. Peyton, so I don't know if Luke Kennard makes any sense. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's hard, right? And I think, you know, we can canvas each team and try to, like, you know, pick apart the rosters and try to figure out. You mentioned Detroit. You know, I don't know if, if, if a Alec Brooks makes sense. Expiring deal, you know, what would it cost in essence to kind of get him? Detroit should be really trying to, you know, move move in a different direction. And obviously the aforementioned Danilo Gallinari as well, too. I think, as you alluded to, Boston is in a very, very unique position where um, they they know or should be trying to do something because everybody else is making moves. And you don't do it out of panic, but you're just trying to bolster and sure up. And I think the thing that you and I have talked about pretty much at, at nauseum early in the season is we still think Tatum and Brown are probably playing too many minutes. Now, again, we know they're or they're they're resting, you know, on and off nights, you know, based on their nursing, their their nagging injuries, so they're not playing, you know, 15, 20 games in a row, so, so to speak. But when they do play, they do play a heavy load, and I'd love to see uh, the team get some guys who can eat up some of those minutes in the in the regular season here, um, as especially post All Star when it gets to get really, really tough and really interesting. So you had mentioned Peyton Pritchard as the, you know, again from a salary standpoint, for the most part, that that front six. It's got to be safe, if you will, and then every and nobody else even really makes enough money where it would even make a difference, right? No, no. Yeah. So you're not going to trade Hauser. I think he's too good of a shooter. You've cultivated him, um, and nobody else really makes enough money for you to really dangle, unless you're just unless you're just trying to throw, you know, give a guy another shot somewhere. So I think that they're pretty much set. Um, I think they're going to have to determine. What to do with Nemius Kata? 
whether if, because they do have an open roster spot, do you tra- do you transfer his deal to a standard NBA contract and put him on the playoff roster, or do you take a chance with just Cornette and Horford? Now with Horford, you don't have to worry about back to backs in the playoffs, so you'd like to think that Horford's going to play in every game. Porzingis always got to worry about injuries and and, and and that type of thing, but you know that that's what they'll have to decide. And I'm, they don't have to make a decision now because the trade deadline isn't here. So I think after the trade deadline, after they d- determine what to do with their roster, they'll make a decision on Cater. So I think that, that there's a lot of little things going on here, Warren. Not a lot of big things. There's been so many trades and over the years and decisions, the Derek White deal. And, right. Uh, oh, and even in the last summer with getting Brogdon and then getting um, Drew Holiday after that and trading Marcus Smart for Porzingis, if you're looking for this blockbuster with the Celtics, it's not going to happen. It's going to be, I think, a small deal. And let's see what Atlanta does. Atlanta's a team to watch in terms of what the heck are they going to do, you know, because it has not worked out. Like, I think there was this speculation. I thought we we watched them in the playoffs. We said, wow, good young team. They pushed the Celtics to six games, a full year under Quinn Snyder. Let's see what happens if you can push them to a, let's say, getting a fifth or sixth seed and it hasn't worked. They have a terrible defense. You know, Trey's still chucking up shots. Murray seems kind of out of place, even though he's still a very good player. Jalen Johnson's been hurt. They just, it has not worked. Yeah. So do the Hawks blow it up or do they try to make an addition and make a run for the play? And that's the whole thing about this playing Warren is, is when you, when you now can get the tip seed, now encourages a lot of teams who are 11th and 12. Hey, we still got a run on this. We went five in a row. We're back in it. So Chicago, Atlanta, you know, and and even teams like Golden State, you got to figure out they're they might be on the cusp of the play-in. But for those franchises, making the playoffs is important. So you got to look at and what is Toronto going to do? Toronto now is three games out of the play-in. Are they just going to start selling parts and build around um, Quigley and Barrett and Scotty Barnes? Is that what they're going to do? Um, it, it's all interesting questions. So I'm going to throw two more names at you, and then we'll move off the trade conversation. I think we've talked about them. Uh, one, at least one player already. Again, also former Celtic. We already talked about Utah. They've played so well, but at the same time, do they want to be right? We're still not quite sure what the, the desired outcome there is for Will Hardy and, and company. So would a Kelly Olenek reunion make any type of sense or talking about a wing type player, a guy who's kind of fallen out of the rotation there a little bit too, and Taylor Horton Tucker, are those names that could be of any interest to, to Boston in any capacity? Ugh, um, Didn't mean to make you groan. <laughs> yeah. That's a, those are two interesting names. Um, Olenek is right at that limit where, I mean, you know, okay, he could ask for a buyout or you could try to acquire Olenek, but you got to match the $12 million salary. And Horton Tucker makes 11, so you'd have to do the same thing because I don't think you're going to buy out. I think Horton Tucker is only 24. You're not yeah, buying so him right. out. You right. just won't resign him unless you're not sending him to a contender. You're, you're going to try to get something for him. Um and I don't know what Horton Tucker is a guy who, wow, I mean, a few years ago, remember, he was like untouchable by the Lakers. 
cost him Kyle Lowry, didn't he? Yeah, and then it got in, and then it, then it um then he got thrown into the Russell Westbrook thing, or uh, I want to say, and now he's kind of languishing because Colin Sexton is playing so well, and then uh, our man Chris Dunn is kind of taking over uh, as point guard there too. So Tor- yeah, Tucker, Keontae George is hooping too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got guys who, and he's a rookie. He's had a really good rookie season, so. I was a little surprised Horton Tucker was literally playing mad, very much garbage minutes when they came to Boston. I was a little sh- stunned at that because last year he was like one of their, you know, starters. So yeah. I don't know what – he's a guy who doesn't play great defense, is a very just bull in a china shop getting to the basket, not a great shooter. I don't know if you need him. And then, he, you know, and he's a free agent, so what are you going to give up at, to, to really get him at 11 million. Olenek's a guy who maybe Utah decides, okay, we'll do you a solid and buy you out. And Boston's interested and he comes back. I think that would be a better move for the Celtics. He can defend a little bit. You know, he can hit the three, he can run the floor. And I think it would be nice for him to come back. He, you know, as much as he's had, he's had his moments. I know he's played for Miami and Detroit. Now Utah, he really hasn't had the the the, the sizzle and the in the and the allure since he's been in Boston. So I think that's something to consider. But at twelve million, you got to remember you got to match the salaries unless he's bought out. So now at twelve million, what do you do with that twelve? And you cannot combine the trade exception. You can't say, hey, we're going to throw Peyton Pritchard in the trade exception to Utah for Kelly Olynyk does not work that way. You have to do a separate deal for uh, the trade exception. And there's nobody, if you look at the salaries on the Celtics, I'm looking at this now, Warren, like Al makes 10, you're not giving up Al for um, Olenek. He's too valuable. Pritchard makes $4 million this year. So you would have to add another $8 million to make it work or $7 million to make it work. So you'd have to load up three guys, maybe Peyton, Shvi, and O'Shea, and Lamar Stevens to make it work. I mean, I don't see them gutting their bench like that. So, um, Well, it's a bench they don't use, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. just messing around. I mean, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, because then now you're going to press Jordan Walsh into, <laughs> into action and J.D. Yeah. Davidson, in essence, to kind of be on the playoff roster, and they're not ready for all of that just yet. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, Gary, well, we'll transition away here from the uh, potential trade deadline conversation because, again, there's not a whole lot shaking there front for the Celtics standpoint. And let's transition to the conversation, um, which won't take us very, very long to, but in terms of the all-star reserves. So Tatum obviously was named an all-star starter yet again. I um, mean, obviously the Celtics had some designs of like, could we get Drew Holiday in? Could we get Porzingis in? And then when Derek White was playing so well, those conversations – do the Celtics have any chance of getting a second all-star, sorry, a second or third all-star outside of Jalen Brown? Yeah, I think Jalen's in. I think it's going to be really close for Derek White or Chris Asperzingas, and it all depends on what the coaches think. Because if you look at the reserves that are, you know, you're looking, it's really guard heavy, to be honest, Warren. You're looking yeah. at a Donovan Mitchell, a Trey Young, a, a, a Tyrese Maxey, a Bam Adebayo. That's four of the seven spots right there. Um, and you know, there's just, it's, it's, it's just a crowded, 
a crowded, very group of, yeah. of all-star reserves. Um, you know, because you got Lillard on the team as a starter, so that bumped out Maxi or Trey Young. Um, so you're looking at, you know, Jalen Brunson. Do you think he deserves to be an all-star? I do. He's averaging sure. 27, 27 damn points. There's no doubt about it. And shooting yeah, no 42% doubt. from three. Let me let me pause you there. Did you did you vote for him? You have a vote. Did you vote for him as a, as a starter and from the media? I side? did vote for him as a starter. Yes, over Damian yeah. Lillard. I thought the Lillard, I thought Lillard's had a nice season, but um, he's averaging twenty five a game, and but he's he's shooting thirty four percent from three, forty two percent from the field, where Brunson shooting forty eight percent from the field and forty two percent from three. So um, I don't I didn't think it was close, but nope. the fans I think pushed Lillard. You know, because it becomes sometimes a popularity contest. The fans quote pushed Lillard into the All Star game as a starter. So now you've got to put Brunson on because he deserves it truly. So Mitchell averaging twenty eight a game, um, Trey Young averaging twenty seven a game, Brunson averaging twenty seven a game. So that's three guards right there. Um, then Adebayo, that's four. If you think if you you know you you need bigs. Now, if you could, do you think that people will vote in Chris Stapps or Zingas over Adebayo? I don't think so because Adebayo is considered a young star. Yeah. And then Paolo Banchero, 23. Yep, that, and that, that's where I was going to go next, right? So I Banchero think, do you, right do, you give Banchero, do you give Banchero the nod over even a maxi, you yeah. know, in terms of as you're trying to fill out these roster spots? Because there's a lot of guards in this team, Warren. So you need big. So our, our coaches are going to look at that and, and, because you got Mitchell and you got Brunson, and then you got either, you know, if you, and you got Maxi, so that's three guards right there. If, if if you vote those guys in, and then Trey Young would be would be the fourth. So I don't think even I think Maxi might have a, a trouble because of all the guards. Yeah. Because this Trey Young thing is is this is where we're kind of at a uh, at a standstill at a at a, a fork in the road. Is he he's an all-star caliber player, Warren, but is he an all-star on this type of team? The team his team is losing. They're not a factor, but he puts up the he puts up the numbers. You know, so it's it's a lot that it's it's a lot of you know a lot going on. And and now do the coaches say, well, we need a big. So what about Porzingis? What about out of bio? And Porzingis is the two bigs. But what about Julius Randle now? You know, he's got the shoulder injury. Shoulder, yeah. And he might miss the all-star game. So we we make Porzingis an injury replacement. So, so let, let me pause you there, like in real quick, because now you mentioned that. And then there's also the aspect of Embiid is now dealing with his knee. And we're, we're a couple of weeks away here from all-star. But it feasibly could be a situation where he he may or may not may need to take it off just for the for the rest. So I think you're bringing up a really valiant point there. Whereas I think if you're looking at a potential third Celtic, if you will, Porzingis probably trumps Drew or Derek White even just by yeah. positionality more than anything else. Correct? Yeah, I don't think Drew's making. I don't think his numbers are good enough in terms of you know he's a good defender, but last year he averaged 19 points a game. You know he he's not near that this year when he made the All Star team in Milwaukee. He was just a great all around player. And nothing against what uh, Drew has done. I know he's gotten yeah. hot over the last couple of weeks, so I think it's great for the Celtics, but I don't think he's going to be considered. I do think, because I do think it's the guards, you know, yeah. 
because you have Brunson and you have Young and you have Mitchell and you have Max. That's four guards. And then you got Jalen. So that's five. You don't got seven spots. Seven spots, yeah. You know, so is it a sit? Out of bio, is in you put Julius Randle in because he's had a really, you know, after the I think a slow first month. And what about Banchero? Okay. Um, I think everybody else, you know, there's nobody I'm looking for the East that I'm just saying, okay, they they really deserve it. Jimmy Butler probably not, hasn't played no. enough games. Scotty Barnes is having a nice year, 20 points a game, but that's not really, you know, all-star there and, and the team is losing. So there isn't a whole that, that would it's gonna be um, you know, seven to eight guys, nine guys going for those seven spots. And yeah. you know, the question is, you know, what what makes what applies to these coaches? Like Missoula told us the other day that you know it was winning and some of the intangibles, um, you know, defensive field goal, defense the defensive metrics, things like that. You know, and then there's a guy like Jared Allen, you know, 15 and 10, the average of the double. He's been open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, I said, but out of bio, 21 points, you know, 50% from the field, which is a little low when you consider he's a big. Right. Um, He doesn't take threes, but he's got, you know, he's averaging a double, double two, four assists, which is pretty exceptional for, for a big. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good passer and he, he's got 24 double doubles. So it's a, it, it's, it's a lot to, to, to take in and there's no right answer, Warren. I mean, I, I wish I could, you know, what I say, oh, it's definitely, um, Porzingis, I think Porzingis deserves it, but when you have all those guards, do you, do you fill the team with the four guards or do you fill the team with two more bigs? You know, because you got Giannis and Embiid. Okay, those are your bigs. And what about Banchero? Like that, yeah. you know. And and that and that and I think that's a good place to maybe to even interject. So if if it were up to you, and not because obviously you report on the Celtics or whatever, but if you were picking between Porzingis and Banchero, which one of those guys? And they're and they're still two very different types of bigs. Obviously, Porzingis has a lot more size. But if you were picking between those two, which one would you go with? I would. I mean. Man, I probably would go Banchero, not because I don't like Porzingis, but because Orlando has had a winning record this year. Need representation. Yes, he's the best player on a on a team that with a winning record, and he won Rookie of the Year last year. Um, so it would be close, but I could easily put Porzingis on the team. Yeah, you know, yeah, this is this is not a slight in any capacity. No, I think you're, not yeah. at all. But I think when you look at okay. This team would have three all stars, and this team would not have no any all stars. And in the in the Magic, you know, they've beaten the Celtics. You know, they've they've tailed off a little bit, but they do have a winning record. And so, if you, you know, he's averaging twenty three a game. So, you know, it's it's um, it wouldn't be easy, but I think that he's kind of you know, he's kind of he's kind of um emerged as a, as a, as a budding star. I think, you know, that that's a, a great place to kind of wrap Gary. Those are, I think, ex- extremely well thought out points and we can only hope for the best for all of these guys. We know, we, I don't know what you feel, but I think we're at the stage maybe 15 guys do need to make the all-star team. Well, like what difference does it make at this point? Um, 
especially now, you know, with some of the other things that are taking place within the NBA space where you have to play 65 games to account for these types of situations. So can you give a little bit back to the players and extend that? Because there are some other bonuses that are tied to all-star bursts as opposed to, you know, if they can't make all NBA or those other things by virtue of not playing the 65 games. So give and take a little bit, but you know, we'll see. So all-star reserves will be announced by the time actually this show probably comes out, but either way, uh, by the time the all-star game takes place, we'll see who's actually injured and available to play for that and see if Boston gets more representation out of just Jason Tatum and we presume Jalen Brown and see if they get a third all-star potentially in, in Porzingis or maybe even Derek White down the line. That'll do it for this week's edition of Believe in Celtics. He is the great Gary Washburn. Make sure you follow him again, as always, at G Washburn Globe on X. Make sure you catch his writings over at the Boston Globe. Again, I'm Warren Shaw. Follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. We thank you so much for tapping in with us here on Believe in Celtics. We'll catch you all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.